Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast with your hosts, Yasmina and Ari, who will be uncovering gems of wisdom with Jewish educators from around the world. If you like our episodes and you want to become a patron, you can help support more episodes just like this by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Jewish Education Experience Podcast. Our guest today is Rabbi Yisrael Smith, and he is currently the assistant principal for the 5th through 12th grade boys at Hillel Academy of Pittsburgh. He is originally from Minneapolis, and he went to WITS in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for high school, followed by two years in Yeshiva Chafetz Chaim in Yerushalayim. He spent the next eight years studying under his Rebbe, Rabbi Shia Cohen Shlita in Yeshiva Zichron Aryeh and Kolel Ner Yehoshua, where he had the privilege of participating in weekly teacher training sessions with Rabbi Cohen. While he was in Yeshiva, he also received his bachelor's degree in psychology from Toro College and his master's degree in Jewish education and administration from the Azrieli Graduate School. Rabbi Smith received his semicha from Rabbi Moshe Heinemann Shlita. Hello, Rabbi Smith. Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to also getting to know you a little bit better, too. Um, will you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you began your journey in Jewish education? Sure. Uh, I'm originally from Minneapolis. Uh, I come from a, uh, a family of educators, uh, both my parents, uh, my father still is, my mother, Shalom, wasn't very involved in both formal and, for, and informal Jewish education. Uh, both my parents had been very involved with NCSY, um, as well as teaching in the, the Torah Academy Day School of Minneapolis. Um, so that's uh, all my aunts and uncles are involved in education in one way or another. Uh, so it was, I didn't always know I was going to be an educator. At some point, I thought I was going to go down the path of psychology, but uh, I ended up starting with informal Jewish education through doing um, a short-lived camp called NCSY Midwest for Boys. Uh, it was in uh, it was in Wisconsin, Illinois. Um, on that, we traveled a couple weeks camping, a couple weeks in cabins, and that program evolved into a program now known as Project Extreme, Camp Extreme, a program for teens at risk. Um, so I was involved in that program for about four or five years. Um, but I also was involved when I went to Yeshiva Zechonarie. Um, I was involved in the Priority One program for teens at risk over there. So I had a lot of informal Jewish education experience. And then I ended up going to choosing um, to go into education formally. I ended up after, I mean, I had a bachelor's in psychology from Turo, but I ended up going to Azraeli for my master's degree in Jewish education administration. Wow. I'm just curious about your experience with NCSY um, before it be transformed into the Project Extreme that you mentioned, was that initial program also for more at-risk youth boys, or was that any Jewish boys? So it was a new camp, um, and it was open to everyone. Uh, because it was open to everyone and it was a new program, we ended up with quite a mix of personalities 
um, some of whom were teens at risk. And, and the mix of personalities did not go very well. Um, but the, the head of the program, um, Rabbi A.Y. Weinberg, um, and one of the counselors at the time, Benjamin Pincus, um, they, they got together and they said, you know what, there's all sorts of NCSY programs out there. At that time, there were no programs for teens at risk. And they said, well, let's make a program that really targets this demographic that, that no one's really reaching right now through summer camp. Um, and then the following year, we had tremendous training with mental health professionals, with, with Rabunum in the community, um, to, for teamwork building, all sorts of stuff to train us to, to be able to be successful in that. We had uh, Chaim Winter as a drug therapist who was with us the entire time. Um, and right now that program is a, remains a very successful program, but I was there when it got started. It does seem like that type, those type of services are, are really needed and also in Jewish day schools, right? Right. Um, you know, our, our school is one of the great things. I'm at Hill Academy of Pittsburgh right now. Um, we are the, we are the Orthodox non-Chabad Jewish day school. So we have a very wide demographic within the um, Orthodox community. Um, and one of the great things that we do is meeting students where they are and helping them grow from, from there. So because of that, we're able to intervene before things get really at risk, um, which is, you know, one of the things that we're very proud of at our school. How has that been with COVID? Have you found it to be much more pronounced, more, you're seeing more boys with um, that type of behavior or kind of the early signs of them being more at risk? Um, I didn't, based on our experience, I didn't notice COVID playing a significant role in that. Um, with, with all Jewish, edu- successful Jewish education, whether you're dealing with the mainstream population, which, you know, I would say in general, our school is, the main, I mean, we are the mainstream population, but even kids who are at risk of being at risk, um, you know, having someone, a, a Rebbe, to build relationships with them, to listen to them, to validate them, those are the things that are going to help you be successful, whether it's in person. Obviously, it's easier when you're in person with someone to, you know, to see their smile, to see them, put, have them put an arm around you. Um, that's something that's, that you can't do virtually. Uh, but, you know, we thank God we had a fantastic staff here and we did a great job reaching out to kids even during that time. Well, that's really good to hear. And um, it sounds like you guys really have it figured out there. We have, we have a really, I'm very, I'm very happy with our staff. Um, you know, Rabbi Sam Weinberg, the head of school, it really understands kids. And we have Rabbi Akiva Sutusky, who's our mental health professional on staff. Um, so and the Rabbi also are fantastic. But we really have a, a great group of people who understand kids. You know, our school is, our school is, um, early childhood, six weeks old through 12th grade boys and girls. Um, I'm the principal of fifth through 12th grade boys. Um, but our whole staff is really, really good at helping kids grow and helping kids, kids, you know, develop that love for learning, you know, try, we try to help them develop their relationship with Hashem. Um, so thank God we have, uh, we got a great group here. I love that you mentioned, um, developing a love of learning and a love for Hashem. So that ties in with this question here. Um, how do you talk about God and how might this differ between the various age groups that you work with? So I, I had the privilege of, of learning many years under Rabbi Shai Kohen Shlita. Um, and one of the ideas that he, he reinforced again and again is, is our students need to have context for their Judaism. 
it's very often it's they're they're learning Gemara, learning Chumash, they're learning Halacha, but there isn't that like what's it all about? Like why am I doing all of this? And once you frame it, is you know I like to to quote the uh, what's well, a famous famous Gemara. You know they say a famous Gemara is a Gemara that I know is a famous Gemara. So. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Gemara where, where the non-Jew goes to, to Shammai and asks him to teach him the Torah standing on one foot and he chases him away. He goes to Hillel and Hillel says, you know, what your friend hates, don't do to him. Um, and the rest of his details, not go and learn them. So, so that, that's the whole Torah. The rest of the detail, go and learn them. And everyone understands that to mean for the most part that it's the most important thing is, is interpersonal halachas and the rest is details. And the truth is that's Rashi's second shot. Barashi's first explanation of that Gemara, of when it says what your friend hates, don't do to him, the friend is in reference to Hashem. And if you view all of Judaism and the concept of everything as a relationship with Hashem, it's all about your relationship with Hashem. But you're, what, if you view it like that, in the same way, you, you're not nice to your friends because you want to get stuff. And you don't avoid being mean to your friends because you don't want them to be because you don't want them to hit you. It's because I want to have a relationship with you. And if you view Torah and Mitzvot as the way to maintain this and attain and maintain this relationship with Hashem, this loving relationship with Hashem, who's the source of all things good, um, then you're, oh, that's why I have to do these mitzvahs. Because doing these mitzvahs allows me to maintain a closer connection to the source of all good things who just wants to do good for me. Um, that's something that's a message that we try to give to our students. And it's a message that can be given at all ages. Um, you know, when you're when you're dealing with with younger students at a more um, at a more superficial level, but but always focusing on stories of Ashkacha Pratis and seeing where Hashem is in, is involved in our lives. Um, you know, one of the things I like to, after all of our announcements, you know, after Shachris, after Mincha, I always try to remember to say Hashem loves. Remember, Hashem loves you more than you can possibly imagine, um, and to reinforce those ideas again and again and again, just how much. Hashem loves us and just created us for the purpose, as Masil Susharm says, created us for the purpose of giving us pleasure, um, even though the ultimate pleasure is in the world to come, but, but there, even in this world, the tremendous amounts of pleasure that Hashem has in store for us, um, and focusing on that and helping our students see that in their own lives, that's something that, that we try to give over to our students of all ages. It's, um, it seems like sometimes we can get caught up in, uh, oh, I... I have to daven or I have to say a bracha before I eat or I have to do this, I have to do that. And we, we sometimes maybe get caught in all the details, right? And we forget actually why we're, we're doing those things. And it's like you said, we, we do the mitzvah, we do these things to develop a relationship with, with Hashem. And it's really important that we transfer that or get that across to our students and I don't know if you found this, but I found that sometimes it can be a little bit of a disconnect. Sometimes educators have a hard time getting that across. Um, have you found that at all, too, with other educators maybe that you've worked with or in your own right, experience I, sometimes? I think that for it's a, you know, it could be it's a reframing that that we need sometimes to that the learning is within a context and that. Obviously, the learning of Torah is, is is so incredibly, incredibly important, but it's all part of our ways. You know, davening is us talking to Hashem, and learning Torah is Hashem talking to us. And and to the extent that we mention Hashem and bring Hashem from the subconscious to the conscious and from the assumed to the 
to, uh, to like, no, I'm going to bring this, I'm going to mention this as much as I can. Um, that's something that that can be very beneficial just to to make it part of once it's part on our conscious, something that like, oh, this is this is a value that I have to impart this to my students. Um, then you talk about it. And, you know, I've, I've, I've heard my rabbi say you could have someone who studies in yeshiva all day and davens three times a day and unfortunately never once thinks about Hashem. Um, and we, we do whatever we can to help our students be able to make that connection with Hashem and, and see their Judaism as a, as a outgrowth of their connection with Hashem. Yeah, that's really important. I'm wondering how you help students be able to connect when they're, when they're davening and not just get into the habit. I was listening actually to Rabbi Breitowitz earlier and he, today, and he was mentioning how sometimes because we daven three times a day, we can get into this monotony where, you know, we just do it by road and we don't, like you said, don't really think about Hashem. We don't really think about what we're doing. It's all just subconscious, you know, not even um, thinking it through. Do you have any tips for us as educators to stop that or maybe counterbalance that? So we have, we have, like I said, we have a fantastic staff. Um, one of our rabbeim, um, Rabbi Donnie Meisels, has it started a great program this year, uh, the Davening Challenge, where he is, he's printed out little cards and each one has one idea to focus on. I don't have them in front of me, but it's like, before you start Shemon spend five seconds thinking, I'm about to stand before Hashem. He had one where he was talking about before you, when, before Gal Yisrael, focusing on what the words Gal Yisrael, before you say the word Shema Yisrael. And we have one davening challenge a week. And they, they you know, the kids, uh, they self-monitor, this is for the high school boys. Um, they self-monitor whether they did it that day or whether they were successful in, in achieving that challenge. Um, and it's one new one every week. And after four weeks, there's a big raffle where they get, to, and we have, you know, little small things for, if you participate for a week, even small things, smaller things like a donut or something, you even participated one day that week. Um, but they're all small attainable things. And then after four weeks, we start over and sometimes we'll, will recycle one of the one of the challenges from a previous cycle. Um, but now you have this mix of reinforcement, of learning new ideas, of but all of it is is very small and doable. And they're all things that help us that are to help the students focus when they daven. So it's not just going through the motions of davening. And yes, to assume that a student or an adult uh, is able to uh, to successfully do that all the time is is not realistic. Um, but the way that he has he's structured this program is in small bite-sized pieces with the goal being eventually for them to, first of all, if you do enough small bite-sized pieces, even in between those, those, those uh, specific parts, they'll be like, oh, well, if this part was meaningful, and then three paragraphs late, ma- later was meaningful, and three paragraphs after that was meaningful, and three paragraphs after that was meaningful, there's probably meaningful stuff in between also. Um, and then slowly they can make those connections on their own. And, and Baruch Hashem, it's a very successful program that he started this year. I really love that idea that maybe uh, some other educators will listen and, and uh, use it in their schools too. And yeah. uh, God willing, we're going to be interviewing Rabbi Meisels. Oh, he's great. Education or chinuch in Hebrew, it can be a little bit of an amorphous term. How would you define education? So it's interesting that you asked about the word chinuch specifically. Um, when 
when uh, when Avram goes out to to fight, it's the pasuk says Vayarkes Chanichav. Um, uses this language of of chinuch when it refers to the people he was he was gathering with him, and and Rashi says explaining the word chanichav, he says that it's uh it's haschalas knisas adam asid lamod ba, that it's the a person's beginning entrance of a person or some sort of vessel for the thing that it's going to be involved in. So Rashi de- ex- defines the word chinuch as first of all something the very beginning of something or someone that they're going to continue to be involved in long-term, which means that first we have to recognize that we're only doing the beginning, um, that the goal is for us to, to, uh, to not give them to the trade themselves, but sort of enter them into the trade to recognize that we're at the very beginning of the process of Chinuch. Um, and that it's something that Shuas in but he's going to remain doing, which means it's not just about giving over information, we will have to give them both the skills, the abilities to do Torah mitzvos on their own, um, as well as when you think about the concept of Shuasid Lamod, Bal, that he's going to continue to, to participate in it, to be something he's going to want to choose to participate in, meaning giving them that, that belief, the love, showing them the benefits of Torah mitzvos, the excitement, um, all of those things is part of our responsibility in Chinuch um, to to recognize, first of all, this is we're, we're playing the long game, um, and it's very often it's important to recognize. You know, if I if I enforce this one point, how's is that a short? If I force a kid to do something right now, how's that going to affect the long game um, of his long term involvement in Torah and mitzvahs? And to remember that we want to, you know, help them appreciate what they're doing and help them feel good about what they're doing, so that they're going to want to choose to do it in the future. Because even though in the context of school. There are many things we can make students do and force students to do, but they, uh, but they're going to leave our they're going to leave our daladamos, they're going to leave our building, and they're going to have to make choices. And we want to give them the type of experience where they're going to want to choose to continue it after they leave. Well, there are so many parallels to parenting, and we have three young children, and remembering for ourselves that we are teaching them for the long term. We want them to love Hashem and do mitzvot and be good people and all those things. And it just, I think so much about how we as educators also in a, in a classroom or in a school, how we're trying to foster that too. And it's important, like you said, thinking long term. And sometimes I think we forget that. I agree. What have you found to be your biggest challenge that you face as an educator? Um, one of the things that's very important to us is meeting the needs of the individual. Um, and one of the challenges we find is when meeting the needs of different individuals sometimes conflict with each other. Um, so if I'm very empathetic to student A's situation and therefore, you know, I don't want to come down hard on him. But as a result of the challenging situation he's in, he can sometimes be harmful to student B, um, you know, knowing when to, how to navigate that, I think is very challenging. Um, You know, finding out, really determining what each student needs, being able to to be focused on the individual and not be too focused on the school needs this or the school needs that, but really like the whole the whole reason why we, we go into the field of chinuch is to help individuals, not to help, you know, in organization. And I hope my boss as well apologize that I'm saying that, but I think they agree. <laughs> um, 
that that it's it's about the individuals who make up that inst- that institution, the individual individual students who make up that 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 institution, um, and really figuring out what is the best way to meet the needs of of every individual is is hard because people are complicated. We definitely are, and yeah, we uh, what's what's our primary purpose as as a school as educators? You know, yeah, we have a school, and there are certain things that we have to do. But yeah, you're right. I think we. Uh, we do have to keep that in mind. How do you stay motivated then with some of those challenges? Um, I think there's there's micro and macro answers to that question. You know, in the short term, um, just seeing success in students, seeing this the student who who wasn't really interested in learning Gemara or Chumash, and now he's motivated. The student who really was sort of like coming towards the end of davening and you know, throwing on his tefillin for a second, and, and now he's putting them on, and he's, he's you know, he's participating in our davening challenge, and he wasn't before. Um, you see interpersonal skills. You see how students are, are who were really struggling to get along with others, and now they're being accepted by their peers. Um, you know, we had a situation once where there's a little bit of uh, kids weren't being so nice in a WhatsApp group, and I found out that one of, that the students had, and I found out that one of the students, he, he, texted different kids individually privately saying hey let's cut it out like that was a huge success that he stood up for this for this student um so those are some of the the you know immediate successes we look for and then you know thank god i've, I've been at hill for 14 years and i've been involved in jewish education for uh you know close to 20 um so being seeing the success of students long term whether you know Students who who weren't going to who thought for there's no way I'm going to yeshiva in Israel and now they're they're thriving in in the post yeshiva high school uh, post high school yeshiva kids who are um, kids who are going I love going to alumni weddings to see what <laughs> what happens to the alumni and they, they get married and their children to celebrate their simchas with them is something that's uh, that's really special to to be a part of and to see that thank God first of all that I get an invitation to the uh, alumni wedding shows that I made an impact there. Uh, but, uh, you know, to continue to be a part of their lives um, and see the tremendous things they're doing is something I find to be continuously motivating. Yeah, that part about education is really rewarding to see uh, students and watch how they grow and thrive. And what an incredible example. You mentioned the student who called out the other, his fellow students and the WhatsApp group, because that takes a lot of guts to take that right. stance, right? And teenage boys and all the peer pressure and everything going on. It's um, That actually reminds me of uh, something, too. With the technological world that we live in right now, how do you maintain that balance? And then how do you help, I guess, promote that environment in the in the school? Of, Sorry, I know it's like a bit of a <laughs> different of, question. Like, like internet, like being a good in digital citizenship, that sort of thing. Right, and um, not and not letting it um, bombard you or take take over your life, so to speak. Right, it's hard. It's listen. The that is that is a significant part of their life, um, and you know we whether it's formal sessions or informal sessions with the students to talk to them about the importance of of digital citizenship of the long term repercussions. Uh, both to other students, if 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 you mistreat someone, or to yourself, so you have being very mindful for your just for your future. That what 
I tell them, if you put something online, assume it's going to be there forever and everyone's going to see it. Right. Uh, and I tell them, I said, I'm not like a huge tech guy, but someone with like a little more tech, people with more, slightly more information than me and more know-how can probably access whatever it is that you posted. Um, to recognize you, we have, there are all too many stories that come out about people who, who lost their jobs or things like that, uh, harmed relationships because of stuff they had posted when they were younger. Um, right. And that's something we encourage them and just to help them, you know, be set, being sensitive to other people is something that we, uh, we try to encourage and educate them. In. That's it's such, it's so hard. I feel like this generation just trying to navigate this, this technology thing. It's such an part, such a big part of our lives. And I thank God for Shabbat, right? Where we, like, it forces us to, take a step back. But, um, you know, even during the week, we have to consciously step away from it because it could be too much. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not as good as personally, I'm not as good as, as I should be, but it's, uh, I have what to I have what to grow and strive for. Well, we all do for sure. <laughs> what advice would you give to new educators who are just beginning their journey? Uh, I would say that, you need two things to, to be successful. Um, and, and through, through Hashgacha, I was able to, to achieve both of those really, uh, achieve, but be exposure to both those things, um, through, through my amazing parents and through, uh, the opportunity I had in Yeshiva Zerchanari under Rabbi Cohen, uh, we had weekly teacher training sessions. Um, and, and it was about not, it wasn't about lesson plans and curriculum development it was what should be the approach of a machanach? What how should a Rebbe think about his students? How does a Rebbe really reach his students? Um, and that having that that focus on the individual, the idea of you have to daven for your students and you have to right do everything you can to try to help them have the most positive experience possible within the confines of Yiddishkeit. Um, because if they feel right, uh, my Rebbe talks about uh, Osher and Ishor, that that the same word for happiness. The same is the same root word as validation in right. Lashon and that that if we want them to to feel happy, they have to feel validated. Um, so we have a responsibility as educators to help them feel validated in the throughout the learning process, and by doing that, so that's very important. Just to have the proper the proper hashkafa, the proper approach to to what it means to care for another person. It's what I saw. You know, growing up at our Shabbos table, constantly having guests from all sorts of uh, different backgrounds, that there was the only time we ever didn't have guests for a Shabbos Yantif meal was, was you know, I went away for Yeshiva High School. We'd come back to town. My mother, Leah Shalom, always tried to make sure we had, like, I think it was usually the first meal, but to have at least one meal with no guests so she could spend time with the family. But other than that, there was always guests. So just the love for people is something that's very important. And also the technical know-how is very important for all the all the love and passion if you struggle with classroom management if you struggle with you know how to structure a lesson properly um you're going to have a difficult time so it's really important to to spend time it doesn't necessarily have to be through a formal program but but if it's not yet you have to be self-motivated if you're not going to do a formal program to there's great books out there there's great online learning opportunities that are out there um to to educate yourself in a lot of the technical, pedagogical resources that are out there. And I think to be successful, 
a person really needs both of those. And what about mentorship with other educators and Rebaim and everything? For sure. One of the great, when I was in Azraeli, um, so one of the programs that they set up for me was to observe at the DRS high school um, in, uh, in the five towns. And I had the opportunity every Friday for a year to observe Rabbi Usher Stern and Rabbi Ari Leibowitz. Um, and after each you know, Friday, I'd sit in their class. And then I had time afterwards, just pick their brain. And why did you do this? And I noticed that. And I noticed about this student. that. And it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Um, to really to, to speak to and, and interact with Master Mechanchem, to have the opportunity to, if anyone who's looking to get into the field, um, definitely sit in on classes, speak to the Rebbeim, speak to the teachers, um, and you'll learn a tremendous amount that way as well. That's true. What an incredible experience for you to have that opportunity to speak with this, these Rebbeim and you were able to talk with them and ask questions and really pick their brains. Yeah. Uh, that we're very fortunate that we are able to have that relationship. Definitely. That there isn't a barrier, you know, like, oh, here I am, this big rabbi, I can't answer your questions. You know, we're, we're not like that. We just, we're happy to share. How can we help our students to build a proper Torah foundation? I know you um, touched on this a little bit before. Um, I, I think that that is a lot of it is helping them feel that, that, relationship with Hashem, to recognize that the meaning and purpose of life through through learning the principles, whether it's through Mitzvah Susharim or other Svarim that address these ideas, that that um, validating them, you know, Amuna, that, you know, the, the idea of teaching Amuna can be a little controversial as to what is the best way to teach Amuna, uh, whether it should be formally or informally, um, but uh, if you're able to teach the principles of Amuna subtly um, in a way that avoids students' defense mechanisms. Rebbe likes to say that, that if you can just, the Parsha is very, is very innocent. And if you, everyone expects to hear a Dvar Torah in the Parsha. So if you can, you know, reinforce principles of Amuna, of, of, you know, the truth of Maimon Arsini, uh through casual, you know, something about the Parsha, um, then that's a way to, to help them uh, with their Torah foundation without their, without their defense mechanisms kicking in. Um, those are some of the ideas. And Muna is faith. Would you say everyone can agree on that? Or are there differences in the interpretation of that word? Well, I think that, that Muna is, is the belief in Hashem, that Hashem created the world, runs the world, one of the 13 animamin that, that we say daily. Um, but more than that is the concept of bitachon, which we should really be working with our students to help develop, which is that emotional feeling of I can rely on Hashem and Hashem is going to take care of me. That that almost, that that when things seem like it's just impossible, like al piderach hateva, things aren't going to work out, but Hashem runs the world and Hashem loves me more than I can possibly imagine. And Hashem created me just for the purpose of doing good for me. So, Yes, I can. One hand, I can have the amuna, but to have and believe that everything's for the best. But the concept of bitachon, which is so important for us to work with our students to develop, is that emotional feeling of okay. And now I feel like I don't feel the stress, I don't feel the pressure because I recognize that Hashem is going to take care of me and help me through this exceptionally challenging situation. Is something that that to the extent that our students are able to develop that, and it's a 
lifelong skill to develop. But, you know, as we said, it's, it's the very beginning of entering someone into the into what they're going to be doing. But to begin to expose them to those ideas are very important. That's actually um, what Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch, how he uh, translates it too. And you, right, you know, and training a child according to his way. And like you mentioned, tra- training them for their, their long-term purpose. You know, yeah, we're meeting their needs right now too, but also preparing them so that they can always draw on that foundation essentially. Yeah, like it's really important. What do you think that successful Jewish education will look like in the future? I don't, I think the principles are the same. I think the principles are the same. If you, if you allow students, you, you validate students through the learning process and you show them that, that, you know, geschmack to be a yid and that, that learning Torah and being a Torah observant Jew is, is a, is a enjoyable experience and you give them positive feelings throughout the learning process, throughout the davening process, then they'll be good. Things will, things will be good. You, if you work with them, you show them you care about them, then, then they're not going to look for replacement sources of validation. And I think if we were to just stay focused on just, the, like just those, and it's hard. It's hard. Listen, thank God we have we have smaller classes. But if you're in a school with larger classes, it's hard to focus on the individual. Even in smaller classes, it can be hard to focus on the individual. But but if we if we make Judaism and Yiddishkeit into something that's that's enjoyable, that's that they're not going to want to leave. Of course, they want to continue it. They're going to say like, "Oh, my Rebbe is so happy. My friends who are involved are so happy. Like my parents who are are so happy." Why would I not want to continue to do the thing that's making them so happy? Sure, I see this other stuff out there, but but I don't know. Like things are pretty good from from where from where I'm sitting. And if we we provide them with those very positive experiences, to the extent we can cons- consistently provide them with those positive experiences, I think Bez Hashem, uh, Klai Yisrael will be in a good place. Well, I like that. Definitely, I hope for for that being the case and we as Jewish educators can continue uh, inspiring that and a love of learning and our children, our students and our children. Rabbi Smith, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me this evening and to answer some questions, share your story. Um, Really appreciate it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Wonderful speaking with you. You too. Take care. All the best. (laughs) 